emotions that are negative, they have one thing in common at least, and that is that they all cause stress. Uh, every last one of them cause stress. So then obviously that uh, this makes an excellent summary of the what we've been talking about because that when we talk about taking stress or overcoming stress in our life, winning over it, then obviously we don't do it unless we handle uh, some of the things that we've talked about. You, you're not going to alleviate stress unless you learn to handle worry. You're not going to alleviate stress unless you can handle anger. You're not going to alleviate stress unless you can handle depression. And the same with the other things. Uh, it's interesting when it comes to uh, this subject that uh, the positive statements relative to our personality uh, actually uh, do the opposite uh, of the stress. In other words, love, uh, kindness, uh, mercy, uh, peace of mind, all of these things actually work to counteract stress. Uh, any of the things that we would call uh, bad emotions when they're not controlled and used right bring stress. And all the things that are commanded as, as fruits of the Spirit uh, actually uh, counteract stress in your body in a, in a measurable way. I'm sure that uh, everybody here has read articles uh, on this. We've talked about it. And so as we go through here, uh, anybody that wants to share any information you have with the rest of us, uh, I'm sure that uh, this is something that we will all acknowledge that we we could work on. There's no one of us that handles this perfect. And yet in the uh, bulletin, uh, the comments I got there came from one of the psychology books, and it states that stress is a major cause of heart attacks. It raises uh, blood pressure. It is a cause of cancer. Uh, one of the things that stress does when it's not controlled is it works against your immune system. Uh, and, and, and sometimes uh, uh, one doctor that I talked with some years back uh, made the observation, Barbara and I went in to see this man and he was operated on for uh, cancer. And he, the doctor made the observation that the most, uh, most important aspect was your immune system. And he said that, uh, that any time a person has gone through a period of prolonged stress in their life that might uh, go several years, that it was not unusual for that person a, some years, a few years later uh, to come down with cancer uh, somewhere in their body and that it was, uh, it was one of the most important things to control as far as even, even cancer was the, the element of stress in our bodies. Uh, stress leads to alcohol and, a, and a drug abuse. Uh, many times alcohol uh, is an escape uh, from stress. And, and by the way, except for the fact the negative things it does on the body, uh, a certain amount uh, uh, can help out stress. I'm saying for a short period of time. But the problem with alcohol is it can actually help out stress for a short period of time. Then of course when it wears off you've still got whatever problem you had that caused you the stress in the first place. Well, uh -huh. I just was thinking stress that I recall, I can't recall it at all, being mentioned in the Bible is that would one reason for that be stress within itself is not sin 
it's a situation you find yourself in because of maybe wrong decisions. Well, it's not only not sin, but a uh, certain amount of stress is good for you. That's what we'll do. Anything, uh, you get you in here. Uh, you're at your best under a certain amount of stress. And, and so it's, uh, the, again, it's like with the other emotions, like even anger, the ability to experience stress is good. And uh, stress, uh, uh, the things you feel because of it over the short run uh, can actually be helpful. Uh, it's when stress is not controlled and it takes place on a prolonged basis day in, day out, that it's a problem. But the, but the ability to be stressed is, is actually good. And that, uh, with an, uh, for example, when you read materials on uh, public speaking, uh, they'll tell you that if you, uh, the person that gets up to speak, who's as cool as a <coughs> cucumber and totally relaxed, is probably going to bore you. Uh, that, uh, that you're at your best when you're just a little bit tensed and, and uh, just slightly anxious and all. Your mind is real alert and you have the potential to be at your, your very best. And I'm sure that uh, Henry and Alba can relate on that to leading songs too, that you can get up there just very calm, but it's, it's when you really are just a little bit stressed that uh, you're going to get the best out of your system. Uh, it produces sleepless nights. It is uh, extremely difficult to sleep when you're feeling stress. Uh, it causes problems in the home. We all know that if you're stressed that you're more apt to lash out at somebody and say something you wouldn't otherwise say. Uh, it contributes to decision to commit suicide. It causes fatigue. And by the way, these are some of the areas that you can check yourself to see if you are experiencing stress. It causes fatigue, headaches, backaches, allergies, nervousness, tiredness, a host of other symptoms. Uh, it drains energy from the body and mind, and it kills many of its uh, victims. And so the potential here, again, something that potentially can be used for good, but on the other hand can literally kill us and destroy us uh, if we don't learn to control it. Any comments? Uh, anybody have to, to start with? Well, I think a lot of stress is generated by uh, desires we have, things that we want to come come about, and they don't come about. It can be in the form of a job, it can be in a house, it can be in any other type of, it can be a sermon didn't go like you wanted it to. There's just all kinds of ways that um, we can run short of our desires. And when we do that, we find ourselves in, un in uncontrollable situations, and those situations cause stress. Okay. Uh, I was saying I agree with uh, uh, what Al was saying. And by the way, I'm just repeating some for those that, uh, that anybody that doesn't hear very well, that... Um, Anything you desire, and it doesn't materialize that way, whatever it is, like you said, a, a, a doing a good job at anything you want to is, is going to bring stress. And I think that first one hits on some of that, uh, Alba, that um, remember that we create tension by our inner response to our environment. Thus, we are in control of how much stress we let affect us. And so uh, some stress actually comes about because of good intentions. And yet, um, 
it's impossible not to feel it, but again, let's look at the very thing that, uh, that you mentioned. Uh, anybody that has preached has presented lessons that they, they realized when they sat down it was a dud. It just didn't, it didn't go over uh, the way. And I think anybody that has led singing has, has probably got up and, and then not been satisfied with the, with the way they did it, or, or any musician or anybody. And, but on the other hand, that stress can be good in the sense, if you sit down and you think and you realize, and, and you can just uh, allow that, or you can say, no, uh, I'm, I'm determined that the next time's gonna be better. And uh, if you listen to a preacher who preaches both times, uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night, and his Sunday morning lesson is uh, really not that good in the sense maybe it lacks energy or whatever, you'll probably get a very good lesson that night because he knows that. And his wife may even say something to him on the way home. But, uh, and so the end result is, uh, the end result is, that uh, he's probably going to be very keyed up that night. And, and I would say, I don't know, I'd have to, Alba, you and Henrik speak for yourself on that, but I'd say when you've had that times where the song service didn't go the way you want, you probably did exceptionally good the next time because you were determined that that wasn't going to happen. And so the stress actually motivates you to rethink the whole thing and, and to, to gear up. Is all tension caused by stress? Well, I'd say you're, you, we could kind of be in a circle here. Tension yeah. could cause stress. Got anything, anything that puts tension on your body. Yeah. It's getting stronger. Yeah. But it's in here. Well, an example might be uh, the rich young, take the rich young ruler, you know, he wanted to become a disciple, and Jesus asked him to give all these riches to the poor and come and join him. And, and he couldn't do that. Well, just think of the, th the stress he would be under if he lost his riches. Yeah. So um, the things the things that we're attached to, the things that are important, like our homes, our jobs, our families, our children, and church, and those kinds of things, it's when those things are affected in ways adversely to what we think they ought to be that we can really experience stress. And I think some of it, maybe, maybe, that you don't have control over. I wake up sometime with ten, a tense neck, and I, I say to Paul, well, how can I be, why? You know, I just slept, I slept good, and I wake up with a tense neck. Yeah, but that's one of the signs that you are stressed. Uh, if you have a headache, a tense neck, tight muscles in here, when I was reading all the various materials, those are signs of, you know, being uh, stressed in a prolonged way. But, uh, because when you're stressed or tensed, those muscles are actually clamping like that. And if you, you don't relax them, then the pain actually sets in. But on the other hand, look at the potential good from stress. Just like uh, when we smell that, then you very hurriedly are looking to find the source. I was looking and, for the door. <laughs> and over the church building, uh, the other day we walked in, and there was a smell, you know, that we couldn't identify. Well, when you smell that and your mind says there's a possibility of a fire somewhere, you do not walk around in a lackadaisical way trying to find out what's wrong, that everybody is moving real fast and trying to pursue it. And it's that uh, what the stress has done, the, it has caused your heart to beat a little faster, your blood pressure's gone up, 
At the same time that's true, all your senses are optimum because the, the more blood flow you have to anything, uh, the more sensation you're going to have in the senses. Uh, a good way to check that out is uh, check your hands on a cold day. You, you don't have near the sensitivity simply because you don't have as much blood. Uh, and they're on a real warm day, they're, they're very, sen very sensitive. And so when the stress gets that uh, heart beating faster and the blood pressure goes up, everything about you becomes more alert and, and you're ready to do something. Now the problem when a person has stress that is of the type that Alva had mentioned, has mentioned, and it's not the type of thing that motivates you to do something physically, well then you're sitting there and are laying there and your, your heart's beating faster and your pressure is up and you're more alert and, and, and the hormones and everything are going but you're not doing anything physical. And so you're like a car that's parked and your, your engine's idling uh, real fast uh, and it's, it's to the detriment of the car if it takes on for any length of time. And so looking at stress we see the way that God made the body is perfect and the ability to have stress is actually good and can be used in a good way. But on the other hand, uh, if it's not handled, uh, it can kill us. But then, like we've said with all the emotions, the real control of stress takes place where? In the mind. In, the mind. Well, in somebody's mind. Not, you know, you're getting into... I think we need to define some stuff here, you know, because first off, we're interchanging two or three things, I think. One thing is a normal, well-adjusted person, like me, lives with, with stress, everybody does. If you didn't, you'd never get up in the morning. Wanting to eat makes you want to work. And you figure that out after a while. So that's kind of a normalcy that's set in there like that. Now, a normal person can try to do too much or can feel too much pressure, and it can affect him in various ways. And I think that's one of the things that you talk about. Right. But like that second one on there is what you're... Yeah, kind of. But there's, there's yet some more because <coughs> I, <coughs> I had a bunch of guys working for me. And um, I always made it a point to, to ask them to do more than they could do. I mean, it's all right because some of them can do more than they can do or more than they, than they think they can do. But I had one fella that uh, I asked him to do two or three things when I was an extracurricular activity, and he just blew him away. He couldn't handle it. He, uh, he's one of those kind of people that he's got to give all of his dedication to one activity and everything else kind of comes along with it. If he's got two activities that he's got to, or three that he's got to divide his time with, he can't do it. Different kind of stress now. It's, that's, that's not normalcy in your mind, it's not on that list. But it's, it was his inability to prioritize. The only way he could get out from under stress, which he did, was come to me and say, I can't do that. I said, okay, don't do it. And he's fine. But still, yeah. see, it was in his mind, oh, yeah. in the sense he had to come to his thinking. It's sort of like a perfectionist. His thinking was of such a nature that the only way he could feel comfortable was doing yeah, you know, one, was, one thing. And 
And then he got, he, the way he handled the stress was really the right way. He came to me. Right. And he says, unload me. Right. Now, other people will handle it different, other ways. For example, other people in the, in the same group would end up spending part of their time on each of these activities and do a whole lot better job than they thought they could on all of them. Then there's the third kind of people that, that don't fit what we're talking about here. And they're the ones that they smell a little older like this and they go bananas. You know? Now, not because they've been overstressed or anything like that, but because they can't manage any level of stress. Anything that comes along that's out of the ordinary at all, they get terribly, terribly upset. Yeah. Now, but sometimes your situation is different. Like when you smell that, you're looking for the door, but it's my house. We're about right. See, if you were at my house, you'd have been looking for the door. Right. But, you'd have been right. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person who, whether it's their house or somebody else's house, right. they sure. smell that, they go ballistic. And there are people like that. There are. And they, those people can't manage any level of stress at all. All right. Now, one thing that, you know, come out in the various sources, there, there's just no question that every individual has different levels of stress that he can handle in a comfortable way. And another thing they brought out uh, on the thing with stress, some people thrive on stress. Uh, they use Winston Churchill, for an example. And there are, there are some people that when they work, they're at their best when there's a whole lot of things that they need to do and, and they're right in the middle of it all the mm -hmm. time and even though that's stress, and it pointed out that if the stress is coming from something that you like, that that's not something that's negative. And, and they said this, this uh, thinking that used to be about the type A personality, you know, being more subject to mm -hmm. heart attacks and all, and they said they're, they're having to rethink their mm -hmm. entire belief there and they said, it's true that if you're forced to do something, and a lot of it, that you don't like, then that is bad stress. But if the stress is coming from a job that you actually enjoy, and, and you enjoy doing all these type things, it says that there is no negative effect from that kind of stress, as long as the person can uh, get his periods of a relaxation and everything like that. But there, there are different types. And uh, they mentioned somebody like uh, Solzhenitsyn, also, that he's thrived on stressful situations, that he was at his very best uh, in writing and everything when he was operating, you know, under stress. Uh, they gave men like uh, General Patton, who was considered a great field general, you know, in World War II, and I said he thrived in stress, that he was just at his absolute best in those situations. Uh, those of us that watch sports, know that in, when, in a real stressful game, there are some players that are at their absolute best, better than they normally are. There are other players that can throw up a free throw and the ball drops a foot before it even hits the rim. And they, they just have a very difficult time handling it. And so that we, we do all react, you know, in a different way. And I said that uh, one of the keys to handling stress is that uh, each individual needs to learn how much he can handle and there may be times like Henry mentioned when you have to just withdraw from something or simply say no to something 
that somebody else could say yes to. But again, the, on the second point there, a certain amount is normal. It's the amount and the frequency that's critical as well as how you handle it. And, and what may be too much for one person may be acceptable to another. Uh, one thing it just seems to me in observing uh, uh, people in various jobs that your very top politicians who are going after power and all, they tend to be people that thrive uh, in that kind of situation. I mean that when I think of somebody like uh, even Clinton, whether you like him or dislike him uh, as a person or philosophically is not what I'm talking about, but he's obviously an individual that wants to be going and doing all the time and feels very comfortable in that type of situation. Um, on the third point there, the way to tell whether or not something is too much for you is um, not by just looking at what you're doing or anything like that, but watch for the symptoms of stress. And some of the symptoms are headache. Uh, if you're having headaches and there's no physical cause for it, then there's a good chance that you're under too much stress and you need to do something about it. Uh, if you're having some of the things Barbara mentioned, such as a tight uh, neck, a tightening of the muscles. Um, another is uh, going to the bathroom more often than you would normally go. Uh, can be brought on by stress. Uh, any teacher that has taught for years and given tests know that, that some children uh, will always have to go to the bathroom and they have to go uh, when you get close to test time but it's the, the, the tension works, works in that area. And tension affects everybody in a, a little bit different way. The number four there, and maybe should have been number one, except it allowed us to talk about it before we got there. The number one factor that a Christian has over everybody else is that he can make peace with God. And I think that's the question I would always ask myself whether I was confronting something about my job or anything, and, and that is, am I at peace with God? Because if I don't have that, I don't know that I can have it. In, in there is, and it seems to me that if I've got that, uh, it's going to take on everything else. Remember Jesus' statement, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest to your souls, and, and take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And when he talks about being heavy laden, we know he's not talking about uh, uh, a physical load. And so all to me that it has to be whether it's the burden of sin or the cares and the problems of life, but he's simply saying that uh, he can give rest to all of that. Uh, one psalm, there's many psalms. One psalm I thought was good was uh, Psalms 4. For those, those of you that have a Bible and, and want to turn over there. Uh, <clears throat> Psalms 4. Uh, let's see. Mark, would you read that please? The uh, fourth Psalm. And then emphasize verse 8. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. 
In your anger do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer righteous sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, Who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Okay, look at the eighth verse. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone will make me dwell in safety. I mean that uh, uh, when you go to sleep, God's eyes are still open. And so that uh, if, we, if we believe in God, we have our trust in him, we understand that he's sovereign and, and he's in control, uh, we know that uh, God causes all things to work for the good of those that love him. And from the context there, I think we would all have no problem understanding our spiritual good. Uh, then we lie down and, and go to sleep, uh, knowing that we're at peace with God and, and God is in control. Uh, really... If some of these things we have problems with and have to deal with, uh, can you imagine the situation of the individual that is not a Christian or who is walking through life without God? And so try to mentally put yourself in the situation of one who believes in God but knows he's in rebellion against God or who's walking around denying God and, and all he has is himself and, and the world. Uh, I don't know how that person sleeps. Uh, maybe that's why that some of those people use so much alcohol and drugs and and do some of the other things that they do. Uh, I don't I don't know, but uh, we definitely have something going for us that uh, uh, someone does not that is that is not walking with God. Another one. Look at the fifth one there. This is, I think, my myself. This is an area that probably is the root causes more stress among Christians uh, who do believe in all, then, then maybe a lot of other things we, we talk about. And I think our society makes this difficult. But it says, learn to relax. And even Jesus, if you turn over to Mark 6 and verse uh, 31. Mark, uh, would you read that please? Mark 6 and verse uh, 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Okay, now in the context, they, they pursued him and he couldn't hardly do it. But you can see even Jesus in the flesh, they were working hard and the people were coming so that they, they just didn't have a break. And so his advice is, get off by yourself somewhere. Go to a quiet place so you can rest. And so if anybody needs scripture to just take the phone off the hook and get in a quiet place and rest, that sounds to me like it's a, a good passage. Uh, in Mark 2.27, he made the statement there uh, that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. That uh, there in the Sabbath day command in the Old Testament, there was a, the recognition that man needs a period of rest. And the animals and the servants and everybody uh, needed a period of rest. And so I think in, in our society, uh, we are really go-go. And a lot of these blessings can be curses. The, the phone, I don't want to give my phone up. 
but the phone puts you at anybody's beckoning at a moment's notice. Uh, and, and your car means that you can get wherever they want you to go in, in just a few minutes' time if it's around. And so with communication the way it is, and, and then the fact that uh, uh, we know people scattered over such an area, and it's so easy. I mean, you just think about it. In Jesus' time, you didn't... Uh, Somebody a few miles away just didn't have contact with you. And if somebody wanted to talk with you, they had to make an effort. I mean, he was going to have to walk to your house. And now, if anybody that it, that it even crosses their mind that they may have something they want to say to you, they can just get on the phone. And if somebody wants to sell you something, he can just ring your bell and, and, and try to sell you. You might hang up, but he still might have you stressed before you hang up, you know, because he might have it. Two or three nights, uh, uh, so that we have this constantly. And an another thing in our society, we uh, in America, we have a work ethic that's such that we we do not want to accept rest and relaxation as something that is positive. We want to think of it as something that's that's lazy. And the uh, notice the title of this book I've got under that by Tim Hansel. Uh, this is a book written, uh, When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. Well, that happens in our society. Well, you, uh, uh, I call Jim up because I want him to, I'd like for him to do something. If he tells me that he's painting the walls or he's fixing his porch or he's uh, working on his car or what, I can accept that. Well, you'll have to do it another time. But he said, if he says, uh, Paul, that, uh, you know, I'm just taking a break today. You know, I'm just going to relax today. Well, then what happens is, what he, at least what I generally get on the other end of the line, is silence. Just pause. You, you, surely you can't be saying that you don't want to do this, you know, or whatever it is. And I've had times, and I know all you guys have. Barbara and I have had times where we would go for maybe three weeks or so and not take a single solitary day off and, and more than half the nights we were either out or, or had people in. And we said that we're ju we've just got to take a break and so we're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna not take the, we're not gonna answer the phone today and we're just simply gonna take a break. And so somebody is not able to get me calling and so they just drive up and come to the house. <laughs> and then they tell me and ask me to do whatever. So what do you do? Because see now, they're not wanting you to do something bad. They generally have something good they want you to do. And so they're standing there at the door saying, will you do such and such? And it's a very good thing they want you to do. And so you wind up, at least I do most of the time, saying, well, yes, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead. And so there goes your rest. Uh, and you need to leave home. <laughs> I agree with you. You, you need, uh, I tell Barbara this, you, there, you well, we need to go. We did not have that much problem here at, at Collins when he was a principal. He constantly calls. My son got a B and he should have had an A or he well, got an F and but, he should have But everybody passed. has it on whatever job, yeah. you know, and, and they can do it uh, with the elders in the church. They can do it with ministers. He can do it with anybody that's over a program, uh, you guys that are over any kind of a program at all that people will just simply call you at any time and you may have just done three or four things dealing with the church plus done your own job and you've got your family and, and it ought to be recognized that, that uh, it is not a luxury being able to spend time with your family. 
I mean, if a man is a, is a father, he needs to spend time with his children just like he needs to do other things. He needs to spend time with his wife and, and vice versa. And those things in our society are almost looked on as, as luxury. And we just want to go into work. But anyway, I think that we, we live in a society that puts a lot of pressure on here. We kick the Sabbath day out. And uh, we, we even Sunday many times is a, is a work day, or, or we are involved in a lot of, lot of other things. But uh, even when you're doing good things, you need to be able to relax. And I think that as Christians, we need to realize that our body and our mind needs to relax. We need time to sit and meditate. Uh, I don't care how much you read or study, I don't believe that creativity and good thinking comes unless you have time to simply be alone and think and, and, and just be away from everybody and, and, that, and, and you need to develop the attitude where you do not look at that as a waste of time. Uh, that, uh, if you've been working hard and you've set some time to relax, it's because your body needs it and your mind needs it, your spirit needs it and you need to be able to have time just simply to reflect and to relax and you not only need to have it, I don't care how sincere you are and how strong you believe in God and how well you handle stress, I don't believe it's humanly possible for a person to work seven days a week and always be involved and not have problems that are caused by stress. I just don't believe the, I think the body is made by God in such a way that the body, the mind, and the spirit actually needs a period of rest. Any comment? I'm waiting for you to get the noise. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, the ninth one there, we can skip on down there. That, uh, uh, by the way, all this material I got from you know reading the various sources that we've been studying from. Paul, uh, oh, I was going to make the comment that um, I think is uh, I'm trying to do this. I'm not very successful at it, but I hope to someday be more successful. And that is to un try to uncomplicate your life. Uh, I think it's um, very important. I'm not trying to do as many things. It's, uh, I guess as you get older, I think that's particularly true. Young, young people have more resilience and more recuperating powers than, than, than those of us when, when we get older. But, in this society, I think that uh, we expect too much of ourselves and our families, and, and uh, we many times burn the candle at both ends, trying to get all these things in, and they're not really as important as you might, as we might think they are. I think that's a good point. In fact, like on that number eight, it says, examine your schedule. Uh, many people are under stress because they have too much to do. And then I read this comment, not original with me. But it said, you cannot burn the candle at both ends and not get trapped in the middle. <laughs> I thought that was a But that, that's probably the, the one single thing that, <clears throat> that bother people the most, or at least I can I observe people having more trouble with this than anything else. And that is, it's not so much that they let their schedule get, you know, burden, it's that they want to do too many things. Yeah. You, you watch television and it says you ought to do this and you ought to do this and you ought to do this and you ought to do that. You, you can't do all that stuff. 
but there are people that try to do all that stuff. And there are two things wrong with it. Number one, you don't have enough time to do it. Number two, you don't have enough money to pay for it. So you get yourself doubly burdened if you try to do all this stuff because the first thing you know. Yeah, and then you and then you got even less time. <laughs> you know, a good example of, of handling this, I think, Alba, which you you know Henry brought up that, uh, and uh, that it had to come from stress that caused it. Uh, in Acts 6-4, when they were ministering to all the needy widows in the church, and the apostle says, listen, let's pick out some men to take care of this so that we can minister to the word and, and prayers. Well, obviously, they were feeling some stress mm -hmm. at, at trying to preach and handle the benevolent situation, too. And so they said, pick out somebody else to do this, and, and we'll concentrate on the other. And I think in the church, what happens sometimes is, is that if we find somebody that is a, is of a willing heart and, and has some talent, and if we don't watch it, we'll burn that person out, just using them for anything and everything. And then a lot of other times, we'll have other members that are really not doing much. And uh, that I think that there's a place to step in, and, and if this person is doing something that, that is important and has to be done, and he has the ability to do it, then let him do that, and if somebody else can do it you know, with some of these other things to do it. Uh, that's why that uh, when uh, we got into the, the, what I'm concerned about here, and that is evangelism, and I could see that, uh, that there were several that were very interested in it, and just like uh, at the time, Mark was over the benevolent program and doing a very good job and has the ability to do an exceptionally good job. But on the other hand, it is, uh, it is easier to find somebody who is willing or can do that than to do the evangelism thing because it's uh, there are, there are some things that uh, in the evangelism that have a very high difficulty factor uh, that uh, than than doing the other and so uh, you know I I talked to Mark on it and I talked to the elders and all that I thought that he ought to be able to just concentrate on one area you know and let somebody else pick up and and do on the other and I feel that true with. Uh, any of the guys that uh, are people, ladies too, that become actively involved, that if somebody is willing to set aside a, an evening uh, to uh, participate in Bible studies and they're willing to talk to their neighbor and invite people to things and uh, are they're setting aside an evening to invite their neighbors in to become acquainted with them, then I think that uh, it's difficult to do that and go to the regular services and all too and then at the same time still do other things and that uh, everybody ought to look at it from the standpoint of everybody doing something and realize that we all have a limit to what we do. But I, I do, I think that we, we do need to look at our schedule. And, and uh, another thing, when we look close at our schedule, we may find that some of the stressors are coming from things that are not all that important. Uh, that, uh, and again, some of that comes from within, uh, getting back to the perfectionist thing, that uh, I can come in in the summertime and, and I think I've got to mow that silly yard, you know, and it, I know it's going to take me an hour and a half to mow it, and you've got a million and one things you need to do. Well, see, the truth is I don't have to mow that yard, that, that it can be a little bit long for a, for a few days, you know, and I'm looking at the neighbors, and theirs looks great, and I think I'm stinking up the joint, and, but the truth is it, it really doesn't have to be done right then. That if, it, if it's a little long for a few days, it, it can go. Uh, and the same thing with uh, 
something in the house or the car that you want to wash or polish, it's good. You know, we all need to do those things. But uh, they're not always have-to things. And, and if we don't watch ourselves, if we convince ourselves that that cleaning the car or polishing it or, or mowing the grass or doing something in the house, if we get that in our mind as something that has to be done, then we fulfill stress if we don't do it even though we may be working our fanny off doing other things. We, we have to get in our mind what we really have to do and what would be nice to do. Uh, on the uh, noise that was brought up on nine, there's no question that noise produces tension. Uh, sit in a room sometime, we all have, in the kitchen, and the refrigerator's going. You don't think anything in the world about it. You're just sitting there working, the refrigerator's just making the sound it normally does when it goes. But then, you know, it finally cuts off. Sure is quiet. And all of a sudden, there is, I feel a relief in my system, and I realize that I had been slightly tensed. And, and when even the, when the uh, 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 heater kicks on, you know, the central heater, and you've got that element of it, it, it doesn't seem like it bothers me at all, but then when it kicks off, it just, I have a little bit of a down, it feels great. You know, and, and so that any, any noise is definitely a tensing thing. Um, one of the things I did as principal is we had basketball games. And of course, the uh, principal has to supervise the whole thing. And, you know, and then we always have pep rallies before ball games. And so I got, so I took cotton. And I put in the pepper out, and I'm smiling. Everybody hollering for big orange or whatever they want to, and I'm sitting over with cotton in my ear. You know? this, is this is crazy, you know. That's what you do. I just turn everybody off. <laughs> but it is uh, another thing I've learned to do, and by the way, it protects your ears from a physical standpoint. When I mow the yard, I use earplugs. Uh, it not only protects my ears, but it drops the tension level the, from the noise of that thing. But to, to isolate yourself from noise, uh, uh, over in the uh, uh, family center, that sometimes after, we're, when, we're, when we're all together and all of us sober, that, that place does not handle noise well. <laughs> and so when you get people, four or five different conversations, and you got the little children running around, and you got somebody talking over here, and then they're in the kitchen, I find myself getting tense. Uh, and, and the thing, if, if it bothers me, I'm a very low blood pressure person. I mean, mine is very low. And so I know that when I'm getting tense, that you know, other people are getting, are, are getting tense also. But there's no question that uh, noise produces tension, and your ability to control the noise level in your environment will have a whole lot to do with tension. Uh, uh, I knew with teachers who did not have good discipline and there was too much noise in the room. They were always tensed up and, 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 and wore out by the end of the day. I mean, it literally will wear you out. The teachers that had the best discipline and controlled the noise level, they also felt the freshest and the best at the, at the end of the day. Drive all day with your windows rolled down our car. That's great. I know that uh, when the air condition kicks off, like uh, the red one out here that Annette has, <laughs> The air condition doesn't work in that, and so right, you drive with your window down, and and you realize what we've been taking for granted. It uh, you can drive several hours to some place, and just feel tremendously different as opposed to whether that window's down or up. 
but noise is definitely, and so what that says to us is realize that, and, and when we're in a situation, anything we can do to bring the noise level down, you're also going to bring your tension level down. Could That's I a bigger... Could I say something? No. Uh, is there any way that we can do something about the family center, about the ceiling or something that can, because I've had a lot of people that said they just got where they wouldn't come and thought made so much noise. Well, they're in the process of doing something. Of course, we've got you know one of the elders here, but they've been yeah. putting these sound absorbers in there. And I, isn't the plan to go ahead and continue to do more of those, Alvin? Not officially, is it, Daddy? Huh. No. I mean, I, at one point in time, uh, we approved, uh, I know, to put more in there. And I think um, a little bit was done, then it just got dropped. And that's where I think it is right now. It's just dry. You, you're talking about the same sort of panels. The, se the ceiling. They said yeah. they put something up, it would knock it from being, make it so much Well, dark. there was some thought about putting some type of absor absorbing material um, above that hangs down from the ceiling. Now. Yeah, well, there are a whole bunch of, don't want to get into a technical discussion about it, but there's a whole bunch of different things that you can do that don't really cost very much. And that's uh, really would improve that. That it's really it's that's terrible. Really well, it needs terrible. to be. Yeah. We just we really what we really need, I think, is someone who uh, is willing to spend. I know what I'm Well, no, it's not so much that. It's the it's the surface to volume ratio. That you know you got a very large volume. Oh, okay. And you got what a certain surface. You can you well, you can you can the way that the roof is you know the ceiling is made like this. We can put we can hang strips of, of cloth, you know, that are roughly, say, 24 inches wide, the length of that thing, you know, just hang some down from the ceiling. If you ever went into the old-fashioned movie theaters of, of 25 or 30 years ago, you saw that a lot. You saw curtains and partitions that were up near the ceiling and wasn't there for any purpose but to, just to knock the sound down so it's quiet in there. There are lots of things you can do but somebody's got to say that it's the right thing to do and you ought to do it and you ought to try it or something like that. You can, you can deaden those walls and that'll help. But it, it's just, you can't put that much on there because you only got so much wall space. You're yeah. going to have to intervene somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the top. And, and you know, and break it up some. But what I, the thing, I didn't want to necessarily get on that. I think that's an important thing. I think we ought to do something about it. But noise, through my observation of, of several years of work, is is probably the the most important thing that we can control that'll help us manage stress. The it's, first off, it's something you usually can control. It's not always the case, but you usually can control noise. But we don't. Uh, you go into most people's homes and they and they they'll have their radios or their TVs on real loud usually competing with children down at that end playing their music real loud. And you end up with a, with a loud environment. And noise itself is it hypes people up. Yeah. It gets you it gets you going. You know, I don't, you don't realize it, but it does. When you what you're talking about, Henry, I don't hear when all the kids come in, somebody be watching T V, they all like music. And so they, they when they turn that music on, it's about twice as high as what mm -hmm. I'm having. So here you got the music, you got TV, and then you got a group over here playing cards, and they're laughing at all. 
and man, I feel like I'm going to have to climb a wall or, or get out. <laughs> and finally, I'm, I'm very tactful. I tell them to turn the music down or I'm throwing it through the window. <laughs> that's, that's that's the right answer. I like that tag. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, got, we got into a whole bunch of trouble. Uh, <laughs> say knock it off. <laughs> we got into a bunch of trouble at Martin. I don't know whether you call it trouble or not, but we got into a bunch of litigations over noise. Yeah. You know, people were saying that um, the noise level at certain work locations was too high and it was stressing people out and so on. And what we did, never did bring it to light, but what we did was make measurements in, in the workspaces and in, in, in the average home. Average homes were a while out in the workspaces. <coughs> the ones that they were complaining about and indeed suing about. And uh, you'd find out that people would go home and listen to music that was, you know, that might be uh, as much as uh, 60 or 70 decibels. And they work in an environment that's like 20. And uh, which one's going to get you? You, know, uh, you can measure. You can measure progressive hearing loss on a week-to-week -week basis at a le level of 80 decibels. Kids listen to music in their cars at 120. Or better. Or more, yeah. I remember one, we, we used to have a little paper boy out in, uh, out in Albuquerque, a little fellow that delivered our paper. And he'd come around there at about 5.30 in the morning. That was about daylight. I was usually running. I'd, use, I'd, I'd get up about that time and I'd, I'd, I'd make a turn around the block, which was about a mile and a half. And uh, I'd hear him coming as soon as he turned off the main drag down there, which was three-quarters of a mile away. And here he comes, driving up, throwing the papers. I know that boy is deaf today. <laughs> I know he is. Everybody used him as an alarm clock. <laughs> well, a lot of people got woken up by him, and they didn't care for it very much. But that is the one thing that you can easily control that helps you with, with uh, Yeah, I agree. That it's, uh, it's also, when they talk about the noise, that uh, one of the things they say that uh, while you have more fights, in the inner city and oh, yeah. stabbings and things no like that. It, it said it, it not only had to do with a lot of people, but the environment was so noisy with all the cars and then all the concrete and everything that it kept people tensed all the time, whether they realized it or not that they were tensed. But it said the same people in a more rural setting. And by the way, one of the reasons that uh, they plant a lot of trees in cities is for that very reason, is the, the quieting effect that it has. Uh, another one there, number six, that is Good, I think everybody knows that. Uh, exercise, uh, walking, swimming, anything you like to do is one of the best things to Reading. handle and alleviate stress. Whatever you enjoy. Reading uh, is good exercise. And then um, number seven, daily periods of meditation on God's Word is a powerful medicine for stress. Uh, the Psalms probably are, are very good because there's so many statements concerning the sovereignty of God and, and confidence in God and uh, His understanding of our situation no matter what. But I don't think there's anything better than just simply to take time to sit down and to meditate on God's Word in a quiet place. And then uh, 10, 
Well, I think we all know that caffeine is a tensor. Uh, and so if you're in a tense situation, caffeine is something that's good to avoid. Uh, on the other hand, when you first get up in the morning, it may be fine. Uh, you know, I, that's when generally most people like it that uh, drink caffeine. But in a noise situation, or if you're already tense, it's only going to make it worse. And from what I've read now, and the various sources that I read from said that refined sugar uh, mm -hmm. could also be tensing. I know they used to tell us at school, don't give hyper children, you know, sugary items that were rich in sugar. And the uh, teachers had said that, you know, they were totally against the, the sweet items being served <coughs> for breakfast. Uh, crash diets can cause stress. Uh, stress can be brought on. Uh, another thing in recognizing your levels, uh, anything that brings a change in your life, a change in job, uh, a move, uh, a change in things at church, uh, any of those things bring on a certain level of stress. And there was one guy that worked out a point index where he started with 100, the highest level, and worked his way down. And anyway, the psychiatrists say that a human being cannot stand more than, say, 300 points in a year's time without getting some kind of professional help. You know, of course, they're looking at it from a secular standpoint. We would look at God maybe on that, but still, not necessarily that we couldn't benefit otherwise. But for example, the, the loss of a, of a spouse uh, was 100 points. Uh, the death of a child, uh, 100 points. And so it said if you're already going through the normal stresses of life, uh, change in job, if I remember right, it was like 38 points. Uh, a change in uh, location, about 30 points. Uh, sickness can be up to 50 or 60 or even 70 points if somebody finds they've got a terminal thing to go through, just like what Danny recently had with uh, a son being in an automobile accident and, and Emily coming down with cancer all at the same time. Well, that would have been a tremendous amount of points to have in just a, a few weeks' time. But anyway, that... Uh, to, to be aware and know that our body does have its limits. And so if we're undergoing one thing that has heavy stress, then something we can normally handle, we might have to say that during this period of time, I'm just not going to handle it because I, until I get this handled right here, that that's all my system can handle right now. Uh, there's probably nothing wrong with somebody saying, uh, a deacon or an elder or something saying that I've got this going on right now that's bringing a lot of stress in my life, and although this is very good, it'd be best for me to not take it. And, and that would be the same for anybody else. And, and we should be able to, to look at ourselves and do that kind of thing. Uh, Twelve, try not to be a perfectionist. I think we all understand that's a middle thing. Uh, if you're a perfectionist, you're going to be stressed all the time because nothing is perfect. The perfect house doesn't exist, the perfect wife, the perfect husband, the perfect child, the perfect call, the per car, the perfect nothing, the perfect church uh, does not exist. And so a perfectionist is doomed to walk around stressed all, all the time. They That's relative, though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, very much so. Oh, yeah, sure. Because We're talking about a, a person that Everything has to be perfect for them to be satisfied with it. Uh, some people, for example, in the church, if everybody don't believe exactly right, do exactly right, dress exactly right and all, uh, they feel extreme discomfort. 
because I know the whole thing they have real problems with that. But there's the opposite of that guy, and that's the guy that will put up with anything. Now, right. He makes life hard on everybody else. You know? Yeah. But we're talking about the yeah the perfectionist is to what he does to himself. Right. The guy you're talking about may make it hard on other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the perfectionist uh, really does on himself. Uh, Thirteen. I wanted, to, I wanted to eleven. I, I really, I know you left it out. And <laughs> That's uh, what was it? You had the answer. Oh, okay. You had the answer. Huh? It was the in form. Yeah. Numbered in the book, or did no, you just? No, no, no. I, I went through it. He yeah. supplied the numbers. So you just no, they added A, B, C, D. No, no. I went through. Uh, <laughs> this comes from you know several sources. Um, Thirteen. Proper time management is a positive way to eliminate stress. Uh, Al was already alluded to that uh, earlier. Uh, and 14, arrange to have a variety in your life. Uh, it's easy to get so busy that you don't think you have time to go to a movie or you don't have time to go to a ball game or whatever it is that you like or go fishing or hunting or whatever it is you like. But the truth is, uh, taking time to do something that is a diversion, such as hunting or fishing, or if you enjoy movies, or if you enjoy a ball game, can actually be mentally healthy for you. And so that it's, uh, and that nobody needs to be working all the time. Any comment? I retired in 1970 and was going to come down here and go fishing. I haven't fished yet. <laughs> well, uh, they had to go back to work. I don't like I got married her and I had to go back to work. To me, uh, like, I like comedy. Uh, and I'm a, almost a stoic personality, but uh, that uh, watching something that is very humorous, even maybe even silly, uh, that uh, I, it just relaxes me. And uh, being around people that are quick to laugh and are always telling jokes and whatnot, uh, that type of person is relaxing to me. You know, they just, they, they serve as a diversion from, you know, all the serious things in life. Uh, Hugh Hillis, you know, is a good example. I've always enjoyed being around Hugh. He's uh, five minutes in and he's, he's got everybody laughing in, in, some, in some way, but. Uh, this fasted thing over here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he has everybody laughing. No, I don't need <laughs> Jim, though, if he, if he didn't have something to do, he'd be nutty as a fruitcake. He has yeah. to stay busy. Well, that's good. It's uh, uh, all the widows and everybody. Yeah. That's good for him. Did you say he was a stoic? No, I said I could be. Uh, I don't get real excited easy, and I don't get down real easy. I tend to be. I'm not a complete stoic, but I'm saying that uh, I can go to a ball game with you know, my team winning and never shout. Do you know the difference between a cynic and a stoic? No. Not a stoic is what brings babies, and a cynic is what you wash them in when they get here. Oh. <laughs> no? Oh, but no, I'm not a stoic. Oh, I'm saying I, I tend to <laughs> be uh, in that direction, but not a stoic. <laughs> okay. Come on, folks.